0: Welcome to the Tin Lounge. You've stumbled on one of our short episodes called The Mini Bar, where we discuss a current relevant topic pertaining to the travel industry. I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan With Intention.
1: And I'm Corrine, creator of Travel Based Boss and co-owner of Journey's Travel Company. We won't let you leave without some headlines, so stay with us until the end for excess baggage.
0: So I feel like I need to share... Times in the business where it becomes difficult for me in terms of enforcing boundaries, because Mm. we talk often about enforcing boundaries. And I've always said in the past, I'm like, I do it a lot. You know, like this is the business that I want. This is how I want to run my business. But I don't want people to think that it is 100% smooth sailing for me every single time because it is not. And so for people listening, I just feel like it's okay to have moments where it's kind of challenging. And prior to recording this, I was telling Kareem like the past couple of weeks have been so tough in terms of dealing with clients. It seems like there were three of them specifically, all separate trips, all happening at the same time. And it really forced me to take a look at the boundaries that I had set and make sure that I followed through with them, even though it was hard, even though I wanted to revert back to being the people pleaser and, you know, all these things. For the most part, I feel like I did a great job enforcing that. And everything turned out just fine. It was just in the moment, I was like, you know, this really... sucks. (laughs) sucks. <laughs> and I I knew it would get figured out because things always get figured out. But being in the moment, even knowing that it was a temporary phase, it was still really, really rough. And taking those challenges, I wish I didn't have them. But in the same vein, I'm kind of glad sometimes that I encounter this because everything is a lesson. And I feel like moving forward, you make changes to the way you do business based on the lessons you learn from those challenging moments. So I feel like I implemented new, new boundaries, implemented new things, like in terms of what to say to new prospects, how to make sure that these challenges don't come up again later on. And that was a lot of working on your mindset in terms of, the value and worth you apply to yourself, but also doing what I preach to other advisors, which yeah. is to set those boundaries and follow through. So it was definitely a two week, like, boot camp obstacle for me obstacle course, <laughs> obstacle course, where it's just like, Teresa, let's test everything that you've worked on the past few years and see how you've done. And I pretty sure I passed. A minus. I will give myself an A minus. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: It's so funny because I was doing a treble joy setup prep call this morning. And the person I was helping brought you up. And I said, they were asking me if you I can't remember the exact question, but it was kind of like, if you allowed certain things, I was like, Oh, no, T- Teresa has boundaries. She is my boundaries role model. Like, I try to follow her example on the boundaries. So I'm happy to hear that you pulled through it.
0: Mm -hmm. On the surface level, I feel like people are like, oh my gosh, Teresa is amazing. She did everything right. But behind the scenes, when I tell you the inner turmoil that (laughs) I was going through, not just my mind, but like, you know, this is our business. So like, I take a lot of things to heart. Like you want things to work out. Like you really care because this is is yours So the inner turmoil behind the scenes stuff, it is something that I feel like I became stronger out of all those challenges, which sounds really cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. Absolutely. Which is what I realize now. Um, But yeah, I am, even though I'm like, I need to close my calendar again, I need a little bit of a break. I know that I will be so much better of an advisor, not just for my clients, but for myself because of the past couple of weeks. Yep. But
1: it wasn't fun, and you're tired of learning lessons.
0: Yes, enough <laughs> lessons for the rest of this year. See the rest of the lessons for 2024, or never. I, I've learned enough. I've so got a PhD. For 2026,
1: please. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we jump into our discussion this week, we want to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to TravMarketMedia.com, where you can find other amazing podcasts to grow and build your business.
0: So speaking about boundaries, I love this first article that we are going to share. It's from Travel Market Report on why travel advisors need to learn to say no to new business. And both of us have been guilty of taking on business that we should have said no to. And we learn lessons from that. And sometimes we are still hate ourselves. (laughs) The more you do it, I feel like the more it becomes easier to say no to clients because you realize at the end, like, okay, this is best for both parties. Sometimes I,
1: I, I, this is going to age me because you have to be older to remember this, but if you ever watch the Wonder Woman show and she has those cuffs where she can like deflect things. And I picture myself when these
0: inquiries come in, no, no, with my my (laughs) wrist cuffs. (laughs) <laughs> or the Wonder Woman movie where she's running through No Man's Land. Have you ever watched a Wonder Woman movie? Yes, but it was a while back. So she's like running through No Man's Land during you know World War One, I, I think. And then as she's running, the bullets are coming and she's yep. ricocheting them off her wrists. Exactly. So I feel like that's like us. We're like running headfirst into our goal, <laughs> but then as like these crazy, I don't know, requests and inquiries come in, we're like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I think a lot of people think that's shocking and it's, it's so hard, if, particularly at the beginning of your career, to be like, why would you say, no, you need the experience, you want to make the money, but it's just not that simple if you really want to get somewhere
0: with your business. For sure. And this article kind of touches on that and they interview some really, really great advisors who are in the luxury space. So this article starts with saying travel advisors are busy. Yes, we are. In some cases, advisors that the Travel Market Report team has spoken with are busier than they've ever been. And some are rapidly exhausting their capacity to take on more business. But how can your business grow if you can't take on new business? That's the question I think a lot of advisors ask themselves.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, for some of the most successful travel agencies, growth isn't driven by the quantity of clients, but by their quality. And this reminds me of one of the exercises that Jen Lee had us do at one of the conferences. And, and, and she, if I don't know if she's done it for general conferences that's not TPI, but she has you fill out a form with what you want your goal income to be and uh, what you need average commission wise per trip in order to meet that goal income. So if you book, you know, 10 trips at a $1,000 commission each, that's going to be a lot easier than booking a 100 trips at a $100 commission each. So it's thinking about more of the quality side versus how many clients you have. So it says getting more quality clients involves a number of
1: steps. One of the most important is learning to say no to clients that aren't going to get you where you want to be. I say this... So much. And I think we hear it all the time. Not all business is good business, you know, Mm -hmm. like it sounds like we're trying not to help people, but it just isn't the case. And especially for me, like refer it to someone, help someone else grow their business with Mm -hmm. that lead. That's not a good fit for you. But every Whitney Schindler, and I always say this, every no leaves a space open for a hell yes. Yes. If you are taking on a bunch of business that isn't really a fit for your goals, you don't, you're going to run out of capacity to take the ones that really are.
0: A hundred percent. Yes. Angela Hughes is quoted here saying, if you're taking every single person that comes through the door just for the sake of not wanting to turn them away, then you are not giving yourself the creative space to be able to grow into the clients you want to take. And she's the owner of Trips and Ships Luxury Travel and founder of the Luxury Travel University. She also says, if you're taking every client and working 16 hours, you never have that space to grow into higher end clients because that takes marketing, it takes dripping content to them, and it takes building programs that will attract them. Yeah. Now, I will say this. I
1: feel like the number of advisors trying to get into the quote unquote luxury space versus the number of clients that are actually in that financial space is a little out of balance. So when you're thinking about profitability, it doesn't have to be thousand dollar commissions on every trip. In some cases that's what's appropriate. If you're doing high touch, high customized FIT, that seems really reasonable, but there are other ways to maximize profitability by booking things like I do because I don't have time to do it all anymore because I've got the travel biz boss side of things. I've got the podcast. I'm focusing on cruises and all-inclusive packages for the most part. Those things are very low time investment, low stress. Cause I know what I'm doing. I could book a cruise in four minutes with my eyes closed. So maybe I'm not making a thousand. I'm definitely not, not maybe, I'm definitely not making a thousand dollars a pop. But when I think about like, what's my per hour um desired income. I'm definitely hitting that because I'm choosing to focus on things that don't take me a lot of time. Other people just like say you just know Italy really well, or you like go with what you know to make sure that your time spend versus profit is making sense is what I want to say. It can't, we can't all be selling luxury. It's just not tenable. <laughs> So don't feel like the only way to maximize profit is by getting $1,000 every trip you book. That's not true. But for some people, that will make sense. If that's not you, there are, remember that there's more than one way to skin a cat. Ew, <laughs> but yes. But please
0: don't skin <laughs> <spin> any cats. <laughs> Um, So Sarah Groen is another uh, travel advisor They, they quote here in this article and she was a former investment banker. She is quoted as saying travel advisors should really be thinking about every client they take on as an opportunity cost for something else they can be doing with their time. Every minute that you're spending doing a trip is time that you're not doing another trip or you're not working on bringing in new business. In other words, make sure the trip you're working on is worth the time you're spending on it. So that kind of touches on your point. Yes,
1: profitability, you, not necessarily yes. that every yes. single thing has to be
0: sky high. Mm-hmm, yes. And it also is, some, what I'm trying to do is to time the amount of time it takes me to work through each FIT that I do because most of the FITs I do are on the higher end in terms of pricing. And it takes a lot more work compared to, booking a cruise, for example. So just taking into consideration the total time involved from the inquiry phase to them returning from the trip and then figuring out, okay, what is the hourly with this? And I also charge a fee as well. And um, I remember last year I doubled the fee. I just went ahead and doubled it because I'm like, too many people are paying too quickly. I need people to think about it. And I was nervous to do so. But in the grand scheme of things, I'm just like, you know, the fee's not actually that high compared to everyone else who's charging fees. So whatever, I'm happy with this number. I did a discovery call yesterday, and the woman on the phone, she asked what the fee was, and I said 500 which is low compared to what other advisors do um, in, in my space. And she was just like, that's it? And I'm just like kicking myself because I had already been thinking about raising my fee again. Mm-hmm. Because of the past couple of weeks, I'm just like, I think I need to do more qualifying in terms of having my fee separate the clients that I want to work with. And yeah. having her say that, I feel like, was a little bit more validating and makes it a little less scary. But we'll, we'll be TBD on whether or not I do it.
1: I do want to mention, though, that I noticed you, you did increase your fee, but you also elevated the experience you invested in a few things like these amazing boxes that are branded. I'm sure I was, I was laying in bed when I was like, she's going to get some of her clients to film the unboxings. (laughs) But like you are, (laughs) you are, you are creating a, a nicer experience that doesn't seem like a lot, but it really is exciting when someone gets a box like that. And you know, it's like a little box of magic because this is the trip they're taking. So Increasing fees is great. It's a great way to really, like you said, pick and choose the clients you want to work with. But if you're going to go and double your fee, make sure you're providing the service that is in accordance with said fee, right?
0: Yeah. And I think it really ties to the the clients that you want to work with as well. So if you're looking to go more into the luxury space, I feel like the fee will have to match the level of service in the luxury space. So if that's not where your happy place is, then, you know, do whatever works for you. But for people who are into the luxury sector, charge accordingly because that's what they're used to.
1: Yeah, you can't say I'm luxury. It's going to be $50 a person because they're going to be like, oh, this is TJ Maxx and I want (laughs) Bloomingdale's. (laughs) You know, right, right. I really love that term, opportunity cost, too. I really love that she said that. One of the, Jamie Jones, who's president of Whirl Away Travel, said she just started to, to pay attention during the pandemic. She said, I looked at the p- pandemic not as a time to scramble, to take on anything we could get, but as a time to hone in on the business I truly wanted to service. This meant turning down things that were not a right fit for us. I feel like there's so many people who took that same opportunity during the pandemic. I'm noticing, because I work with a lot of advisors, how many people are on this path? How many people are getting more and more focused, are more willing to say no? I'm noticing more of a problem with newer advisors or, ones that have been in the business so long that they just have that like work ethic where you just have to take every client that comes to you. And I will add, wouldn't be me if I didn't say, when we're talking about profitability and time spend versus profit, you need to invest in your systems and processes So that you can streamline everything so that your time spent is also much less and you are turning a bigger profit. If you are struggling with sending out emails manually and like every little thing has to have your hand on it, you're just sucking away that profit.
0: Yeah, I would say that templates was definitely a life changing investment for me and my business and the time that I spend on working with client facing things. So. Mm-hmm. I would highly recommend Deslo. <laughs> um, so Hughes is also saying in this article, while the COVID-19 pandemic is sol- solidly in the rearview mirror when it comes to travel restrictions and planning, she thinks a sense of PTSD is keeping many advisors from turning business away. For sure. Yeah. I feel like when the world stopped and we lost everything, now people feel like they have to maintain everything. But then Sarah is quoted as saying, but operating a business from a place of fear is never going to get you anywhere. A lot, of, a lot of travel advisors live through COVID and live through financial crises, but at the end of the day, do you want to put your time and effort into something that you're not actually making money at? She asked. There's always going to be new, nicer, happier, better clients. And that gets a huge amen from me because yeah. yes, I am happy to fire past clients. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, no, I, we will not. But
1: well, I feel like you can almost put advisors into two camps. You have the ones that are operating from the fear and the ones who actually were like, I don't have to put up with this BS anymore and I'm mm-hmm. going to change the way I do things. We all have a little bit of PTSD and we all deal with it in a different way. For instance, uh, I have a lot of credit I don't run a balance on my credit, but I have in the six figures of credit (laughs) because it makes me feel better that if the world stopped tomorrow, I would be able to get by because of what happened before and the way everything just changed in a blink of an eye. It makes me feel better to have a lot of credit available to me. That's that's how I handle my PTSD. (laughs) But taking on every piece of business is not tenable for me because of everything I learned during the pandemic, but everybody's got their thing, right? Hoarding money and credit. That's my thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think we start to value our time much more. And there, we, I think a lot of us, we just built up a tolerance where we're not going to tolerate certain yeah. behaviors and tones and things from clients because we're just like, no, we lived through this event. And for you to talk to me in that disrespectful tone, I'm not going to have it. No, exactly. So it's saying once you've decided
1: you're willing to turn some business away, how do you decide which clients to say no to? Sarah said a lot of advisors aren't calculating the cost of what servicing these very difficult or low budget clients is costing them. Start by tracking the time you spend on each client, including initial conversations, research, travel planning, follow up calls, all of it. Once you've been paid or have an idea of what you'll be paid, including commissions and service fees, do the math to figure out how much each client is costing per hour. You'll start to see patterns and how long certain things take to plan and be able to determine how much an hour of your time is worth. For example, a couple calls with a $4,000 to $5,000 budget for a week in Italy, including airfare. (laughs) No, (laughs) not this year, baby, not in this year of 2023. Um, you're going to have to search for hotels, find a driver, find something on Viator that's going to fit their budget. So now you're piecing something together. That's when I definitely say you need to decide if you want to take on something like that. That's so true. And we were just talking about that. Mm -hmm. It's one thing if you can use a DMC, the budget's there, we can make sure we're providing a very seamless experience. But when the budget's tight, then we have to piece it all together, which we're more than capable of doing. But that is a time investment and it's nerve wracking and it causes a lot of stress to have everything hobbled together like that. Cobbled together, hobbled together. I don't think I know that (laughs) saying. Um, so it's like the lower the budget, the more work for us, Mm -hmm. which. Yeah. Exactly.
0: And (laughs) trying to make money
1: doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Well, my, when my parents, there are times when my parents would see the level of stress that I have because sometimes it's so hard to just turn it off. So when I go and visit, they'll see that. And my, I don't remember if it was my mom or my dad, but they're like, oh, now that she's working with luxury clients, she's more stressed. And I'm like, no, it's the ones with the lower budgets that are stressing me out. I will work on higher budgets any day, but it's the lower budgets that are just giving me grief. Yeah. Um this article also says quoting Sarah um I know there are a lot of advisors who do a good job 24/7 service really last minute stuff like yes I'll help you with that two week trip to Iceland that you want to take and you leave in 2 days that's not a fit for the way I built my company my team doesn't work over hours unless it's an emergency situation I don't want to take on something that I know we're either a going to struggle internally or b disappoint a client
1: And that's another huge thing that I meant to say from the beginning. When you say yes to everything, especially when it's pushing you past your capacity, the risk you take to damaging your reputation is high. It is not worth it. Mm -hmm. I promise you the client's going to be happier that you said no than for you to just be overworked, miss something and like put a bad taste in their mouth about a very expensive trip. They also say another step is to let potential clients opt themselves out. The early vetting process is critical to being able to make that determination. So Angela says, I'm a big fan of the 10-minute discovery call. Have that discovery call with them and find out if they're the right fit for you. If they feel like they're going to be a general time suck or it's going to be too low revenue, you can say right there, we have a minimum spend. If you're nervous about being that upfront on the phone, you can start by letting clients opt themselves out. Establish a starting budget you want your clients to have along with a service fee. Put it all in a document, preferably with a questionnaire, that every new prospect gets sent before you even have a conversation with that. So we typically recommend people put all this stuff on the inquiry form. Just let them go through. I like to put that stuff a little bit lower because I want to ask some really thoughtful questions first to let the person, because I think really thoughtful questions build authority. So I want the client to like see that this is a person who knows what they're talking about before we get to that this is what it costs to work with me. I'm not going to put it right at the top where they haven't even gotten a chance to see that I'm
0: right, right. someone who
1: knows what they're doing. Uh, but... You don't want to get to, first of all, I don't have 30 minutes to waste on someone if they're not a good fit. So the inquiry forum has to be first anyway. And then I don't Mm -hmm. want to get into a consultation and shock someone and sit there awkwardly because they didn't realize a fee, a minimum spend, whatever it is.
0: Right, right. Yeah. I want things to be as transparent as possible in terms of charging fees. And I remember getting a call from someone, and she was saying she had been working with another travel advisor who had set her an itinerary for Italy this summer, and she wanted to like shop around with the itinerary and quote that that advisor gave her, and so she found me somewhere, and so she called to just see if I could provide her an itinerary and quote to potentially beat out this advisor. And first of all, no. Yeah. second, I was asking her, I'm like, so what was the quote number? Because if you tell me a number that I'm like, oh, that's pretty standard for the summer. I'm just going to tell you that's a pretty standard number for the summer. But I asked her, I'm like, what is, what was the quote that she gave you for all these things you just told me? And she's like, well, I want to just keep that to myself until I can see something from you. Yeah. No. Bye. I'm, I'm just like, listen, so on average, what we're seeing this summer for two weeks in Italy, it is X amount of dollars, which I knew was above average, but still pretty good for if you want a luxury experience. And I'm like, so that's the number. And I think it was higher than what she initially had. And so she's like, okay, thank you. But Mm -hmm. just being transparent and being like, this is what it costs. And having discovery calls in the past, I would just, I feel like I would just try to be like, oh yeah, you know, we can try to make that work. Whereas now I'm like, nope, it's going to be this amount or you're staying home. We're going somewhere else. (laughs) Sarah also says that their agency uses a form um, and they ask questions to give them a good sense of whether the clients are a fit in terms of budget, travel style, and what they're looking for. So very similar to what you had mentioned. Um, And she says in many cases, if they don't have a budget or don't like your fee, they'll move on to another advisor. Yep. and it seems like other advisors in the article are on the same page too and they are very clear about the minimum spend in order to take on a new client.
1: Sarah does admit that there are times when taking a lower budget as a client is a good idea which I agree because I mean I don't like to be too snobby about budgets because you don't know what somebody's going to do next. They might be doing an all inclusive because they want to take their kids somewhere fun. And next year, they might be ready to do two weeks in Europe luxury all the way because it's the couple's trip. So, But she says, it's easy for us to turn clients away because we have a bigger book of business. But I do think it's worth saying for new advisors, sometimes the value of doing a trip like that is learning. I don't want to throw that out the window. If you're earning very little, but you're learning a new skill or a new destination, that is also valuable for your future. I agree with Sarah, except what I've noticed Mm -hmm. is... A lot of times we'll bring on a new team member and like somebody, acquaintance, friend, family wants to throw them some business and they want to book like from Orlando to Houston on JetBlue or whatever, or they want a rental property in rural Tennessee for 20 people. And I always have to say like, you have to look at this. Would you, do you see yourself ever booking this again? And if not, it isn't worth learning. There are many, many things that are like a lower budget cruise or a lower budget all-inclusive. But if it's something you're never going to book again, skip it.
0: Yeah. One of my best clients and best source of referrals, her very first trip with me was Disney back in 2017 Uh, with her family. Yes. Yes. And at that time I was still learning and she found me through one of the neighborhood Facebook groups and um, she had asked a general question in the Facebook group about going to Disney. And I had just taken the college of Disney course or the um, like the travel agent course. Yeah. And she was asking this question and all the people were answering. And I was just like, um, no, 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 no. So then I just, Said you know I I'll, I'll say I sent you I sent you a DM and so I sent her a private message and just said hey I'm a local travel advisor um you know if you find that you need some assistance with Disney please feel free to reach out to me she didn't reach out for another month and I knew she was trying to do it by herself yeah within that month she reached out and said hey um, I would like your help and that yes. was 2017 and that was when I realized I don't want to do Disney it was. Not <laughs> difficult. It was just a lot for a very little amount of commission. But in terms of profitability, a learning. it's rough. Everything, yeah. Yes. Everything's a learning opportunity. Everything's a lesson. But since then, she has been one of my best clients that, you know, not just books every year, at least one trip a year, but she refers so many people and she speaks so highly of me to everybody. Yep. And to me, that was like, okay, that was worth saying yes to Disney 100%. Yep.
1: I have a few clients who are real cheap, but they send me tons of people. So in the big picture, they're Mm -hmm. absolutely worth helping, you know. And uh, Angela is with me because she says generally I don't turn down cruises because that's a 15 to 20-minute booking. It's icing on the cake. If somebody just needs a seven-day Caribbean cruise and they've got their own airfare, sure, make money on that. So... I feel the same. I mean, I do (laughs) ancillary things for my cruise people, too. But a lot of my cruisers are pretty self-sufficient on that stuff. So it's really just a quick cruise booking, price monitoring, being there to answer questions. I use email templates to try to get in front of every possible question so that they don't have to be in my inbox. But you know, pretty easy peasy.
0: Ultimately, Angela says it's up to each advisor to to decide what's right for them. You own your own business. You should decide the course that you want. And that course doesn't have to be a course of desperation. You own your destiny. Where do you want to be in five years? In 10, start doing what you want to see yourself doing in five and then build from there. And it's okay to start small. You don't need to turn every new client away who's not the right fit. Start by saying no to one new client a month that fits your criteria and go from there. Yeah. Baby steps. Not me. I went whole (laughs) hog. (laughs) our
1: next article is from travel agent central it's called trafalgar unveils new findings on women travelers citing the importance of the female demographic to the travel industry trafalgar sponsored the three-day women's travel fest with north american president melissa da silva joining the panel kick-ass solo women over 50 the talk debuted findings from a survey conducted by trafalgar in partnership with solo women's travel band Brand Journey Woman, diving into the psychographics and travel behaviors of senior women travelers to the industry, along with expert insights from the panel.
0: She says, being part of this very important conversation to talk about women and travel, their needs and dreams was so inspiring and empowering. At Trafalgar, we've made a conscious effort to empower women travelers through the launch of women's only itineraries, but also understand that there is always more we can do, especially for solo women interested in traveling. Our recent survey of the 50 plus demographic allowed us to glean more insight into the behaviors and sentiment of women ages 50 plus to better cater to a group that loves to travel as much as we do. And in the past week, I have received a handful of inquiries from Women who want to travel on their own and they're okay doing it independently of an escorted group or a guided vacation. Yep. And I think in my generation and above, they're realizing that I don't want to wait for someone to travel with me. Like I just want to do it now. And, you know, one woman, she said that she was watching TikTok and she saw this man who sneakily. Uh, recorded video in the Sistine Chapel. If you've ever been there, you know that is a big no-no. You will get yelled at. Yeah, they yell at you to be quiet. And I'm just like, do you not see the irony here of you yelling at people to be quiet? Anyway, <laughs> so he illegally took a video of the Sistine Chapel and she said she saw that on TikTok and it made her realize that she needs to go see this. And she's been wanting to do this for a while. She needs to go see this. And she that's when she sent me an inquiry and she, I I had her a call with her yesterday and she just paid my fee today. And so she's like, I want to do solo travel. I went to art school. This is what I've always wanted to do. And now is the time to do it. Yep. Can't wait around for other people. No. So the survey was called the influence
1: and affluence of the solo female traveler over 50. It was answered by over a thousand experienced female travelers and it found that women over 50 are approaching travel with intention and purpose and are fueled by a desire to explore new, less traveled destinations in 2023. 44% of the those surveyed travel solo and 58% of those solo travelers intend to travel two to three times a year with 47% planning week-long stays. There were some other key findings. Uh, so top destinations for 23 include Europe, the UK, Scandinavia, and Eastern Europe, followed by North America, Asia Pacific, including Australia and New Zealand. They are most interested in adventure and hiking, hmm. sustainable wildlife travel and wellness experiences. They are purposeful travelers preferring more sustainable forms of travel sustainability while supporting communities, <laughs> locally owned boutique hotels, restaurants, and women-owned businesses. And when it comes to group travel, 65% look for tour companies that offer women-only or solo trips for women, women, and look for companies that use female guides, work with local women
0: entrepreneurs, and have female leaders. Says here that Trafalgar offers 12 women's only itineraries led by a team of expert all-women travel directors While supporting local communities of women, female travelers interested in traveling solo but not alone with like-minded women can travel to destinations, including Turkey, Egypt, Italy, and more on these exclusive trips. I think it would also be interesting
1: to learn, in my experience, I book a lot of families, I do book a lot of seniors. I find that the women are the decision makers at the end of the day. 100%. Yes. So these types of studies are important to learn again, you know, what's motivating these women to travel because that's generally who I want to be speaking to because they're the ones who are going to decide what happens.
0: Yeah. The best use of my time in terms of networking events in my career so far was attending a neighborhood women's happy hour. And I don't like going out. I'm not particularly social, which comes to talk to many people. Um, I, just, I can turn it on for a set period of time, but yeah. just the thought of getting ready, going out, having to interact with strangers and um, that kind of feels uh, exhausting for me, but I'm like, you know what, just go out and do it. And that from that one networking event, I cannot tell you the number of referrals and bookings that continue to trickle in. And that is one, it's not even like a business networking event. It's just like a fun neighborhood thing to get all the ladies together, have a drink, hang out. But just from that, and I still go to those, the amount of business that I've received and the amount of people that I've met. And it could, it doesn't have to be the women in that group. They refer me out all the time. Exactly. And yeah. it's just such a like, such a powerful event when you have decision makers in a family all together and they want to be able to either plan something for their families or plan something with their best friends because friend trips like BFF trips have been something that I've been planning a lot of too. So it's not always going to be a romantic couple's trip. It could just be like a best friend's trip with a bunch of girlfriends. And what do people talk about when they have
1: happy hour? Usually... Travel, we have we have the easiest networking job really out there because everywhere I go, people talk part, about travel.
0: Well, the last one I went to was, was it last week? It was during the time when I was having a really difficult two weeks. And I show up at the happy hour and I'm like, Teresa, don't be a buzzkill. But I was just there to just hang out with friends. And that was the only time I found it difficult to talk about travel because I'm just like, I'm just trying to get away. Yeah. Can we talk about something else? (laughs) Yeah. Nope. That's what everybody wants to talk about. But for the most part, people are really interested in it. So, um, yeah. All right. Are we ready for some excess baggage? Oh, yeah.
1: It's time for excess baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory, so you can learn a lot in a couple of minutes. According to Travel Market Report, a massive sargassum blob could heavily impact Florida beaches this summer. They also report that Avanti Destinations has added Tenerife, the largest of Spain's Canary Islands, as its newest FIT destination. The wholesale tour company has also partnered up with the Tenerife Tourist Corporation to educate travel advisors on the island's many cultural and natural attractions. An article from Travel Weekly says that pilot pay raises could keep upward pressure on airfares. Another one from them says that at ASTAS River Cruise Expo, the river ships were the hotel rooms. The move was made to give advisors a more immersive way to experience the ships, and it proved especially beneficial to the hundreds of travel advisors who were new to the conference and for those who had never been on a river cruise before. Go check out an article from Travel Age West with tips for planning travel with toddlers. It's linked in the show notes. Travel Pulse reports that Celestial Cruises has partnered with the Disaster and Emergency Management Authority in Turkey to provide over 50,000 blankets and sleeping bags to victims of the recent earthquake, which left over a million Turkish residents homeless. Celestial Cruises provided the relief supplies via its first voyage that visited Kusadasi, Turkey, this season. The cruise line will also be donating a portion of its revenues made from shore excursions in Turkey to the relief effort. Another one from them says that citing safety concerns and a string of recent intense incidents involving turbulence on airplane flights, the Association of Flight Attendants is again calling for a ban on infants who must sit in their parents' lap during a flight. According to Travel Agent Central, Norwegian Cruise Lines has announced the appointment of David J. Herrera as the the brand's new president effective April 1st. They also report that Lindblad Expeditions has reaffirmed its commitment to travel advisors with the launch of Expedition 360, the company's first full-service trade initiative in its 50-year history. An article from Afar says that Bali governor announced the governor of Bali announced foreign tourists will be unable to rent motorbikes to get around the island starting this year. Instead, the governor is urging foreigners to rent cars and use other transportation services to ensure quality and dignified tourism. Our high note today is also from afar. Finland is giving away free trips to encourage happiness. Those who are interested in participating have until April 2nd, 2023 to apply. Adults can apply on their own or together with one other adult on the Visit Finland website be really neat for a lot of travel advisors and that's it for excess baggage
0: just a reminder that all the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes please remember that we didn't write the news we're just sharing it if you've enjoyed the episode please subscribe leave a review and or share the show
1: also head on head on over to our facebook and instagram pages which are both under the tin lounge we'll link them in the show notes
0: have any questions, comments, or just want to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at the We'll see you all next week.
1: no one can do it like we do it, like we do it like we do it.